Patterns. The director finished his diatribe about the costumes. Carol thought it was ridiculous. Gregory was more than amused. Nobody could tell what Lauren thought. She was inscrutable, which was surprising as she was the youngest actor on the set. Not a starlet type, more of an everyday kind of female. Just old enough to stop being called a girl. Though many still did. The director was insistent. Look, people, it's all about contrast. Who cares if it's something you would never wear in real life? In fact, Lauren thought it was quite clever. Creative genius, even. She strolled past the catered breakfast, barely glancing at the pile of bagels, bowls of cut fruit, and pitchers of orange juice. Who could eat at 5.30 in the morning, she thought. Glamorous acting life my foot, up before the roosters and in bed with the owls. But she also learned feast or famine. Who knew when the next gig would work out? And no one ever tells you the whole truth when you're rejected. They don't do it either when you're hired. All she was told for this one, on the phone two days after her audition, was that she was perfect for the role of Esther, the nosy bachelorette who was always on the make. What they didn't say, but what she gleaned from the script, was that they needed someone plain, no swell of violins for Esther. She'd be the punchline, the one who put her hands up to her cheek and sighs at others' good fortune, the one that makes the girl that gets it all seem even luckier than she already is. Entering her dressing room, the one reserved for guest appearances, she inhaled the smell of another actor's cologne, masculine with a hint of desperation. The mirror was lit with the expected yellow multitude of bulbs. A baby blue plastic pitcher of water with a twist lid sat next to an empty glass. There was a set of clothing waiting for her on the only rack in the room. Anyone with any taste would have thought the clothes garish, tacky. Even if you didn't shop at the nicer stores, you'd have kept staring, trying to make sense of the clashing colors, the mixed textures. She slipped on the purple silk shirt, which smelled like cigarettes. She wrinkled her nose at the thought that the costume wasn't dry-cleaned between actors. At least it didn't have the stink of B.O., another hazard of acting, sweating under the hot lights of the stage or set. The tweed skirt had an orange and brown checked pattern, and the shoes were deep red flats. When she looked at herself in the mirror, she burst out laughing. Might as well slap on some clown makeup and call her Bobo. She came out of the room expecting stares and giggles, but then she saw the other actors. Carol was fuming in her pink and green floral print dress, beige cardigan, and dainty silver purse. How can I portray an attractive romantic lead when I look like a Goodwill clothing rack? Gregory turned around from his spot next to the coffee urn. It's called acting, dear. You should try it sometime. Carol threw her purse at him. It knocked the coffee out of his hand and onto his white shirt. There, Greg, now you've got a pattern on your shirt like one of the girls. Gregory pulled the hot, wet material away from his skin. Jesus, Carol, now I know why you're single. Carol laughed. Marriage is for boring people. She looked down at herself. Well, I guess this outfit is anything but boring. She turned to Lauren, who was watching a boom operator adjust the angle of a fuzzy mic on the end of a long, thin pole. Wow, look at you. I thought my outfit was bad. Lauren turned to her and smiled. I bet a fashion designer would wake up in a cold sweat if he dreamed about his models in these get-ups. Okay, people. Places. The three actors picked their way over the cables laid out between the camera operators and sound crew and squeezed by the equipment. Lauren took her place behind the set wall that was wallpapered with tiny pink flowers and thin gold stripes. The window she was to pop out of when Carol, Carol said her line, but what will the neighbors think, was framed in blue damask curtains. Under the hot white lights, Lauren began to perspire almost immediately. 
The girl with the towel waited in the dark that circled the set, poised to run to each of them at the director's next bellowing of cut. After a few wipes, makeup would be called in. The hope was, as always, that the takes would be quick and good enough. The scene was about Renee and Clark, the two main characters of the show, the Newberries. They were newlyweds who just moved to the suburbs of Chicago. Clark worked as an administrator in a construction company, and Renee was a second-grade teacher. In this scene, the couple were discussing what kind of mailbox to get. The one they had now had the previous occupants' names, the Parsons. Clark wanted to repaint it and put on new letters. Renee disagreed and thought that would look like they were poor, or worse, cheap. So when she said, what would the neighbors think, that's when Lauren, playing the neighbor Karen, would pop up in the window and say, what would we think about what? This would be the first time the characters met. There were lots of side characters and roles of laborers, parents, and neighbors. If a guest character established a connection with the audience, chances were they'd be invited back again, or perhaps be written in a permanent role. Lauren didn't really enjoy playing the role of the nosy neighbor on the make. The best role she had since she was Emily in our town in high school was as a drug addict's girlfriend on The Naked City. That was as gritty as shows got, in her opinion, as each episode was based on a true crime story in New York City. Though the roles were completely different, Lauren was challenged to mine for emotions and bring to life things she herself had never felt before. She hadn't ever been pregnant. She never took drugs or fell for someone who did. She really wasn't that nosy, and she certainly had never died. The show was broadcast in black and white, of course. Hence, the director's playful notion of dressing the actors in costumes based on patterns and contrast, not on complementary colors and material. She thought that Carol had a point. It's easy to feel glamorous when you are wearing an evening gown, but Gregory's overheard barb resonated with Lauren as well. That is why they call it acting. No matter what kind of mood you're in, your job is to pack it away and open up your suitcase of facial expressions and behaviors. Acting isn't feeling, after all, and understanding that made Lauren think that was why she was going to make it in showbiz. Many of her friends from college were under the impression that every role was going to be fun and fulfilling. But for them, after spending hours in waiting rooms, jumping every time the studio door opened and the next name was called, only to sit by the phone that didn't ring, proved too much. They dropped like flies out of the scene, got office jobs, waitressing gigs, married, went to work for their father's companies. It was time for Lauren's line. Sweat trickled down her back and it made her feel sorry for the next girl to put on this shirt, which was probably cleaned once a year. She said her line with perky, busybody intonation despite the early hour and a tag that was making her itch. The take was going well, and she got through her next, next lines, Do you have a brother? And only on Sundays. But then Gregory stumbled on his line, Well, that's a fine how-do-you-do, and said hullabaloo instead. Everyone had a good laugh. It was still early, and they only had two more scenes to shoot, so moods were holding. This scene would be Lauren's only appearance in that episode, though the director hinted that her character could be useful for making trouble and adding to plot twists, so she had her fingers crossed. She invited Wendy, her friend from her part-time job at Leshko's Diner, to watch the episode with her two weeks later. 
It was a Tuesday night at 8.30, and they had made popcorn. Wendy laughed at the show, which pleased Lauren, but it was hard to laugh at a show that you were in, and all you could think of was the garish costumes, the coffee stain on the lead shirt before he changed it, and the foul-smelling outfit she wore that she had made stink even worse. During the first commercial for Swanson's TV dinners, which they had eaten before the popcorn, Lauren described the actual colors of the clothes they had worn in the episode, how nothing matched, and that the leading lady almost pitched a fit. Wendy's eyes were large with adoration. I can't believe you're in an actual TV show. You're famous now. She coughed a little from the popcorn she had just swallowed and slurped on her bottle of pop. I mean, why are you wasting your time at Leshko's? Lauren shrugged. It's never a sure thing. It's not like a nine to five or in our case, a six to two. Acting is like the clothes we wore for the episode. No matching patterns or predictable outfits. And then while you're doing it, it's like the shirt is one mood, you know? The role you're playing and the skirt is another. Like it's the mood you are really in. They will never match. You know, during that whole scene, I had to pee like a racehorse and that it was six o'clock in the morning. Well, I guess you are a good actress then. Who knew you were going through all that? Lauren shook her head. It's like any job, you know. Do you feel like waitressing every day? Wendy giggled. Heck no. Hmm. Do you think when you're famous, it's more work or less work? Does it get easier like anything you do again and again or harder because people expect more? What do you think? I wouldn't know, Lauren replied, but I bet you still can't ever count on your next gig. If I were famous, I'd probably get a wig so nobody recognizes me and keep my job at Leshko's. Wendy almost fell on the floor laughing. Lauren joined her and thought about her next audition, a role as a college student in a comedy, a movie this time. If she got the part, she hoped it had more than three lines, like in The Newberries. That's it. That's all she hoped for, for now.